This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Thrilled today to be joined by long-term editorial leader and brilliant leader, Molly Gamble. Molly talks to us regularly about issues she's watching in the healthcare landscape. What are the key stories she's watching, key trends she's watching? Molly, let me ask you to take it away. Tell us what are a couple of the key stories that you're watching currently in the healthcare area for healthcare systems and so forth. Sure. Thank you, Scott. Uh, Becker, as we've been covering the past, I would say probably two to three weeks, systems financial results for 2022, and they are very startling. So just this past week, Indiana University Health posted a $715 million net loss. Mayo Clinic, although it's still in the black, saw its operating income be halved in the last year, um, reporting income of $595 million compared with over $1 billion the year prior. UPMC reporting nearly a billion dollar net loss this past year. So the year is off to, last year was obviously the toughest year for hospital finances since the start of COVID-19 and the pandemic. And just this week to kind of paint the margins and financial picture at a higher level, we got information from Kaufman Hall, which showed that the average or median margin for hospitals in January was negative 1%. So that is an unfriendly start uh, to the year for hospitals. That's actually worse than the margins they saw at the very end of 2022. Um, it's a combination of things. One factor is that hospitals make purchases for the year in January, which drags them down. But they also saw decreased patient volumes, fewer emergency department visits, discharges, um, while expenses to continue to tick upwards, Scott. So um, both re reporting these results at a system level, but then also making sure we keep a pulse on things, the, the medians and the, the number from Kaufman Hall is based on data from more than 900 hospitals. So ensuring that we give readers a, a fuller picture too and, and see the forest for the trees. That's really helpful. There's a couple of interesting things there. The first issue is you mentioned lower visits in place, lower ER visits and so forth. Does that mean people are being careful of their deductibles? Does that mean that people are going to other places that aren't health systems for these issues? I mean, is there, are there, is there a loss of patients to health systems, which would be troubling, or is it a timing issue? Is there any discussion of that or not really yet? And then second, we'll ask if there's any positivity on the horizon. There's a reducing agency staffing and so forth. Molly, I'll let you comment on those and come back on mute. Yeah, Kaufman Hall and its analysis really makes a point to show how how much patients are turning to outpatient sites for care and how the inpatient side is really dragging. And so that loss of revenue does not make up for the picking upward of expenses too. So month over month, the total net operating revenue decreased by 3% for those 900 hospitals while their total expenses rose by 1%. Of those expenses, labor expenses increased by about three percent. Um, so it, it, they continue to place more emphasis on patients turning to outpatient sites for care, um, which drags the hospitals' revenue downward. Um, and then, Scott, to your point about the contract labor, we've been keeping a close eye on that in, in terms of watching the reliance on travel nurses, especially. Um, and it looks like things it's been a big pursuit for health systems across the country i know chs in particular has a goal in 2023 to have its contract labor spend um, and i think every week there's pressure from cfos and ceos on cmos and, and cnos to really make sure they're right sizing their reliance on that contract labor because that's obviously been a huge point and, and point of 
a contributing factor for this financial picture hospitals find themselves in. Thank you very, very much. That is so um, helpful. Thank you. This is concerning, though. There's some of the things like the agency staffing, the cost structures. Hustlers are doing a pretty good job of trying to get their hands around that and reduce those things. What's sort of more troubling may be the seismic shift of cases away from health systems. And that's something that's going to be more difficult for us to deal with. There's not an easy solution to that as to how they deal with that. I mean, fascinating perspective. Molly, anything else that you're watching closely right now that you wanted to tell, talk to our listeners about? Yeah, one other, it kind of ties in, but it looks like the Affordable Care Act might be back to being the subject of lawmakers' attention and possibly controversy after a brief hiatus earlier in 2022. Just yesterday, President Joe Biden made some remarks about healthcare access and costs. That's the first time you heard a presidential speech centered around healthcare and the ACA as a partisan issue after a pause. You know, reproductive rights and abortion, those were big issues for voters in the midterm elections, but it wasn't so much, you, you didn't hear much about repealing the ACA. And that was really the first time in more than a decade that any controversy over the ACA, it, it was pretty quiet. Um, so in this speech, the president has basically signaled that federal health care programs should be off limits when it comes to budget negotiations, and Republicans have not committed to cutting any federal health care programs but have signaled some openness to change. There's a proposal that has Republican lawmakers' eye. It's drafted by Russell Vogt. He was President Trump's budget director. He now works at a think tank called the Center for Renewing America, and this proposal would uh, fully repeal the ACA's Medicaid expansion, among other changes. Um, the chairman of the House Budget Committee has said lawmakers are reviewing items that are consistent with the contents of Mr. Vogt's plan. So the idea, Scott, that even a repeal of ACA Medicaid expansion is on the table or a written possibility in materials that lawmakers are reviewing is something I think hospitals should be really paying careful attention to given how much expansion of Medicaid has improved the financial performance of hospitals. So I think in line with our just our previous topic that we discussed, um, to have any threat to Medicaid expansion uh, looming overhead or any big changes or overhauls to that part of the ACA, I, th I think is really important and newsworthy. But isn't, isn't it true, though, that Medicaid expansion is already starting to sort of fall away in terms of some of the support for federally even before any of these changes, and that's leading to more enrollment in traditional ACA plans, because I, I know that as of, I think it was January 1st, some of the Medicaid expansion dollars started to, to soften and so forth, so you've already got some of the Medicaid plans moving away from the sum, and that's causing a big hole in budgets for states and for, for individuals, too, as they look to see if they can get onto ACA plans, and then President Biden was trying to add more support for ACA plans to make it easier for people to enroll in the ACA plan. So it's, it's probably a pretty complex issue by the time you're done with it, actually. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no easy answers here. I think more than anything, it's um, Medicaid expansion. There's uh, 40 states that have done so, 11 that have not. Most of those are in the South. Um, and so when it comes, especially for rural hospitals, it's just become, it is so important in terms of extending coverage to patients who otherwise qualify for charity care or be unable to pay their bills. Um, so as we talk about these thinning margins and worsening margins, and then also the rural hospital piece, um, to have any big changes 
in the in the works or even a possibility um, to expansion is noteworthy. And you know, President Joe Biden, he he came down hard on this yesterday in his speech. Kind of um, was taking a defensive, I would say, in terms of positioning this as something that he would not allow to happen. But nonetheless, I think we'll see what the the budgets look like. His will come out March 9th. Um, and then lawmakers in the Republican Party are still, of course, working on theirs. It sounds like it's pretty influenced by Mr. Vote. His plan from the think tank is called the Commitment to End Woke and Weaponized Government. Um, so something we're keeping a close eye on. And I think we're also planning to kind of dive deeper into that proposed plan for Mr. Vote just to see what else it could have in the works for hospitals in terms of like site neutral payments and other changes like that. No, thank you very, very much. I mean, there, there's already, if, if you look at sort of the current government bill, the current budget already includes a phase down for Medicaid matching funds, which has caused great alarm for different states because so many states, as you said, did expand. And so much of the taking care of the uninsured is hampered through Medicaid expansion. But regardless of the politics of this discussion, the reality is the phasing down of Medicaid matching is already part of the law. And so trying to figure out how far that goes because that, that Medicaid matching and federal funding for it is so important to states doing it. They wouldn't do it without that. Most of them wouldn't do it without it because they can afford it. But what a fascinating situation. Yeah, it, it, these budgetary issues are, are set up for a huge issue because health systems are sort of underwater and can't afford anything that takes away money from health systems. The flip side is some of the big payers that are big profiteers for Medicare Advantage and Medicaid expansion are, are still cleaning up. So it's a, it's a more complicated issue then Democrats bad or good, Republicans good or bad. I mean, there's money flowing through the system. It just seems to be not flowing to the right actors, at least from our perspective, which would be more money flowing to hospitals and health systems than to huge managers of Medicare Advantage and Medicaid expansion. I mean, it just, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's a matter of where that money flows, not that there's more or less money, really. It just seems right now the big payers become the biggest companies in America and the health systems are getting slaughtered. And so I don't know if it's um, necessarily one side good, one side bad, not my perspective. My perspective is that more allocation to hospitals and health systems and a lot of the Medicare Advantage plans and Medicaid Advantage plans have led to lots of profiting by the big, big payers, but not necessarily to the benefit of the health systems and providers and physicians. In any event, Molly, thank you so much for joining us today on the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. A daunting time for hospitals and health systems, uh, it, coupled with already the phasing down of Medicaid Advantage and hoping that those enrollees end up in ACA plans so they still have coverage, which is so important to everybody. Thank you for joining us today on the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Thanks for having me, Scott.